Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm John Scheel. I'm Adam Means. And we are the Lost Treasures Podcast, and we're so happy that you have tuned in. We've got quite a few of you have tuned in over the past couple of weeks, and we want to thank each and every one of you. Tell your friends if you like finding lost treasures, if they like going out and going on adventures looking for lost things, then this is the place to be. We talked a little bit about metal detectors last time, and... Uh, we talked about Adam's quest to find something that has been lost. And uh, Adam, let's start with a little update on where we are with the Eden Park treasure hunt. I know that we've hit some snags. So yeah, uh, mm-hmm. how do you feel about that? What's going on? Um, you know, I think it's one of those uh, times where you test your patience, right? So I've been doing it for, what, 16 months or something now. And so I think each little, uh, little bump in the road, if you want to call it that, but I don't think it's something that's you know outside of a, a normal city process either. So it's just part of the t- part of the whole experience of this is being patient and waiting for the right things to happen at the right time. So just so that our listeners know, you've hit a snag mm-hmm. with the permitting process of the actual excavation, right? right? The mm-hmm. actual um, what do we call it? Right of entry. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, so just to remind everybody, Adam is on a quest to find something that is located in a 186-acre park that borders the river, really, of uh, the the Ohio River and the city of Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. used to be the property of a famous gentleman named Nicholas Longworth, uh, and it was started off being his garden, and for a long time was called the Garden of Eden, then became a a city park uh, called Eden Park, Mm -hmm. uh, still named uh, as he had originally named it. And uh, it's quite a quite a big place. It's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, there's an art museum. There's the Crone Conservatory, which, um, by the way, has a wonderful Christmas display. If you're listening to this around Christmas time, you should go check it out. And then every summer they have a butterfly show, which is just phenomenal. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a world class conservatory. It's it's got all sort of plants and flora and fauna in there it's amazing it's pretty close as far as everything's like you can walk to it too so it's not like you're driving all over the place to these things like the overlook the conservatory they're all within you know similar distance so not far and and mirror lake has this fountain that Mm -hmm. you can actually see from the cut in the hill or the the other side of the river as you're driving Mm -hmm. like you can see the 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 spray of the fountain in the summertime and it's this it's an amazing lake it's a really it's a big lake but really it's man-made artificial lake and Mm -hmm. until we were talking with greg hand the other day who uh the author of cincinnati curiosities who was on number two yeah (laughs) what a great guy yeah Um, he's awesome i didn't realize that they had actual multiple like lakes up there that were the reservoir for the city and they were quite deep and i didn't realize how many dead bodies they found in there (laughs) that's always a fun thing to talk about on the show right (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so you are out there and you, I know that you and I went and visited uh, the park uh, in the summertime when we had the GPR, the ground penetrating radar. And yep. uh, I know you've got photos of that that will be on our website. Uh, but right now we are basically not allowed to go digging until the city says it's okay. Yeah, until that uh, that last piece of paper. I mean, that's what you need to do any sort of sort of excavation out there and we're you know we're trying to do a smaller area it's not going to be this full-blown excavation but at the same time you have to have that piece of paper so you know there's you know some things that have happened too that we haven't discussed every single detail of what's going on but at the same time you know that's the biggest piece of paper because it's the last one yeah well it's great to be 
at that stage, but at the same time, it's like oh, yeah. it's like a cliffhanger <laughs> between seasons on Netflix yeah. when your favorite show has ended on a cliffhanger and you've got to wait now for the next it launch. Like, it ends on a commercial. <laughs> <Right. pretty much. laughs> You're like, wait a minute. He did what? And now I've got to wait six months till yeah. they find out what happened to him. But like you're just saying too, John, I'm going to um, start releasing video of the GPR that was done. Like those little things that I can start showing now. Um, just so people, you know, you get more of a visual when you can see some video of it. And I've got some pictures of me and you too out there. So, well, you, you posted a TikTok the other day that was um, showing one of the more fancy metal detectors that yeah. was used. And, and I loved how the, the gentleman said, well, I, Say that warrants further excavation. Yep, that's perfect. Uh, that's what I wanted to hear too. You know? <laughs> I mean, that was that was really great, and yeah. it was neat to hear the different tones and how you were describing on, mm-hmm. on our last uh, episode where the different tones mean different things. Yeah, and you know, I guess for those listeners out there who are, you know, just interested in finding old stuff and finding, you know lost treasures Mm -hmm. um what would you suggest would be a good way to kind of get into the game of metal detecting and and starting obviously metal detecting leads you to other things like archaeology Mm -hmm. but if just on a on an entry level um i would start doing some research honestly like there's plenty of articles that you can read from you know especially from uh there was one this this year uh it looked like it was on the strategist and it just gave you really a nice breakdown on a couple different levels of... Is The Strategist a magazine from New York Yeah, Times? I believe so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a New York magazine. Oh, New York uh, magazine. Uh-huh. Okay. And so it's from June 23rd of this year. And what it just talks about is like some of the best all-around metal tech detectors and then, you know, what type for what level of experience that you have. You know, we were I think we were talking about this on our, our second or third podcast, Um what this kind of broke down was by three different categories, uh, price range, ground type, and experience level. Mm. So all that's really trying to give you an idea of like, what, if you're going to do, you know, are you going to go looking in the water? Like we d- discussed that other you know episode uh-huh. we talked about, or are you going to go on land? And so it kind of just points you in the right direction. And so, you know, there's, probably four or five different brands. It'd it'd be very comparable to shoes, you know, Nike, Adidas, whatever. Mm. And so you have like mind lab, Nokia, Fisher, uh, bounty hunter and Garrett or some of like the top metal detecting brands. And so this kind of just breaks it down. So I I think you really just start with research first, figure out what price range, where you're going to go. And then that's going to kind of lead you in the right direction of, okay, this one's going to be like 300 bucks or this one's going to be like 600. I showed you one right before this that was $2,500. So now, if you want to go crazy, John, go crazy. Is that $2,500 one? I noticed it, it was water, waterproof. Yes, waterproof, yeah. So could I take that and just jump off of a paddleboard and say this particular lake in Florida where I lost some sunglasses? I, <laughs> still on those sunglasses, everybody. <laughs> no, um, so... I think those things can be submersible up to like five to 10 feet. It depends on the, again, the brand. Uh, some of them do have uh, a rechargeable battery pack. So you just got to watch getting that too deep. Um, but same time, I mean, I think you just check out all the specifications before you purchase something just like anything else, you know? Yeah. So um, you, you mentioned $2,500. Like what's, mm-hmm. what's the, what are the ranges that they listed there in that? In that oh, article? it started, uh, the cheapest one started at 250 bucks. And okay. it kind of worked its way up from there. And then you have expert level, intermediate, and then beginner. So, you know, where are you at in this whole process? Have you done it for a couple of years or have you, you know, just going out to do something, you know, tomorrow or next week? Now, I thought I, I thought I heard you say earlier that there was an AARP article discussing like, can you make a profit 
So if if someone were to you know think, hey, this is a great hobby, but maybe I can monetize this a little bit. Do you think with a two hundred and fifty or maybe even twenty five hundred dollar um, metal detector, you'd be able to go out and if you did it consistently, you'd be able to find valuable things that oh, yeah. make up the cost. Oh yeah, especially if you're. I mean, just go to p- swimming holes, places yeah. that people go all the time, the park. I mean, you're going to make up your money pretty quick. I mean, you could even turn this into a little business. There's people on YouTube all the time that, you know, get calls about helping people find things. You know, so that's another, there's, like we talked, like there's just a bunch of different routes, but, you know, most of it that I started doing, it was just for fun, you know? And then I, you know, like I told you in the very first episode, it was like, I got really into it and then I just was able to find things. And so I'm going to continue that process, but. I'm not going to do it all the time. It's just, I want to get the Cincinnati stuff done first and yeah, then, sure. then I'll go on to the next one. So, well, so Adam, I know you want to get the Cincinnati stuff, but in the meantime, I want to tell you that every time since we've been meeting and since we've been recording this podcast, every time I go on any form of social media, I see some fantastic articles about archeological discoveries. And I wanted to point out one uh, just because I've, I've just all of a sudden, it's just all over my feed. But three hours ago, the uh, the Guardian and Art Newspaper and a couple other places started to report about something that's going on in the Middle East. And I know that there's quite a bit of conflict over there, and we want to wish everyone peace and uh, nonviolence, and hopefully the, uh, the war in Israel and Gaza winds up and stops uh, soon. We, certainly, that's, uh, that's a concern. Uh, but... In northern Iraq, uh, they just uncovered an Assyrian statue that basically had the wings of a bird and the head of a man. Nice. uh, It's called a Lamassu, a protective deity that uh, had a human head, body resembling a bull or a lion, and wings like a bird. And it was intact uh, despite it's, it's huge. It's like 12 and a half feet by 12 and a half feet. Nice. And it's a sculpture. It was, it was just re-excavated by an Iraqi French team, uh, just within the past couple of days. And, um, just incredible. And when that came across my feed, I mean, it's, um, looks like it might've been built somewhere around 721 BC. Wow. That's awesome. Um, that's when this particular king, oh, uh, yeah. King Sargon II, an Assyrian king, ascended to the throne, and this uh, this deity was known to be uh, one of the representations of of the kingdom in that time. And so it's it's just incredible. Um, and yeah, if you guys I, can see the picture, check it out. It's pretty cool. Just the the sculpture picture. It's pretty amazing. The detail in the wings unbelievable i mean it's 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 enormous too so it's it's just fascinating says it weighs 18 tons as well oh my gosh it's pretty big (laughs) so what are you finding when are you seeing the same thing when you're you open social media that uh every you're you're just being bombarded with all the ancient stuff that's kind of the stuff that i'll like during the day that's what i'm gonna you know what i'm gonna look at what i'm gonna click on i mean it's not only is it something that you know i try to go out and do in the real world but it's stuff that i like to sit down and read about at night too and so i think it's part of it it's not just something i do for you know it's something i really really enjoy doing i'm kind of passionate about it so well i think it's amazing and i, I think it's awesome how you know with the modern technology that we have i mean lidar is discovering things in in the jungle oh yeah uh, i mean i saw a newspaper article uh, just the other day about uh, satellite uh, photography that was showing um like using cold war spy satellites were finding roman forts 
um, nice. that, you know, 396 previously undiscovered Roman forts, Wow, uh, which is just, just wild. I mean, and they're all across Syria and Iraq and, um, they're obviously the, the remnants of, uh, Roman conquest of the, the Persian, uh, Persian provinces, Arab and Persian provinces from, from that side of the, like Turkey and Syria and Iraq, yeah. all that, that side of the empire, um, but absolutely wild. And that brings up another point I wanted to mention. I don't know if you saw this, but mm-hmm. if you're on TikTok lately, you're seeing that women are asking men about the how often they think about the Roman Empire. <laughs> I saw something. And it went, it went viral there for a couple of weeks. I didn't, I didn't look at that very long. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I thought it was hysterical because... I studied classical humanities, so right. I studied Latin and Greek and ancient Rome and yeah. Egypt and the Greek. Which makes you excellent for this podcast. Well, it's certainly <laughs> topical. Uh, but I, I thought, you know, I'm I'm like the only one who's out here thinking about the Roman Empire and the Greeks uh, all, all this time. And meanwhile, just about every guy in the world, apparently, according to TikTok, <laughs> is thinking about the Roman Empire multiple times a day or multiple times according a week. According to TikTok. Too. Yeah, according to TikTok. <laughs> but I think it's fascinating. And, and there is so much to think about. And here we are literally talking about 396 Roman forts that were just found. I mean, this is very, very recent. And to think that this stuff has been buried for centuries and uh, we're just now finding them. I mean, this, this article literally that I'm, that I'm talking about uh, came out October 26th and it's uh, an article detailing the 396 forts Mm -hmm. that were found. So, I think that I'm not the only one. I think that men aren't the only one. I think there's a lot of people who are still thinking about the Roman Empire yeah. and uh, and its lasting influence. And I think that's really fascinating. It's 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 too bad that they didn't make it over to this this side. But it's of right. course, the Native Americans were like, no, 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 thanks. We already had enough conquest. We're good. Yeah, we're, we're good. <laughs> we 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 didn't need any of that. That brings up a like a good point too, John. You know, the technology as that advances, I think it makes it. Um, we're doing less physical work as far as lo- locating stuff. And so, you know, kind of from the, the little theory that I created was, you know, my eyes aren't that great. None of our eyes are that great. Mm-hmm. You can't see in multiple spectrums. Like there's all these different things. So, uh, you know, I tried to use technology to my advantage. Yeah. And so that's what I think you have to do. And so, you know, the ability, the ability to uncover things, really it's more about the time and learning and then going from that and trying to just try to develop your own little process. And so that's what I did. Well, I think that's fascinating, and I think you and Greg kind of touched upon it a little bit when we were talking. Mm-hmm. You know, if, you, if you're if you exploring, and you're exploring using things like Google Maps, and you're just looking at Google Earth, and you're looking around, and you're, you're thinking, okay, well, I know that, um, you know, by reading a history book, mm-hmm. I could go on to Google Maps after I read about, say, a conquest of, you know, something right. that Rome did. And then you can look at the site. Yeah. Uh, it reminds me of an article where um, a German uh, scholar went out and found um, a, just a ton of Roman coins and Roman artifacts from a battle um, that I watched a Netflix movie on. Oh, a nice. fantastic Netflix movie where they actually spoke in Latin on the screen. They spoke nice. in German and Latin. I uh, can't remember the name of it. I'll have to look it up. But it was it was literally uh, a conflict between the Ro- the Romans and the tribes, the Germanic tribes yeah. that were uh, in northern Germany and where 
Rome had kind of extended its power to, but there was a particular battle where the tribes had won, and there were a lot of dead Romans, so there was a lot of stuff left on the battlefield. Yep. Mm-hmm. And this gentleman, in reading about the story, and I heard, I, I read the article after I saw the movie, so I kind of it was fresh in my mind. And I can imagine, uh, you know, someone watching a movie like that and thinking, well, what's the truth? Yeah. And then Googling a few things, Google Map, and then all of a sudden saying, well, you know what? That could be in this area of farmland that's yep. at the base of this hill that's at you know, near this forest. And if you look at a few other maps, if you look at some things from, from the civic archives and you see what was built here, what wasn't built here, yep, your research, you might then go out with a metal detector and wander into a Roman horde of gold, gold coins. coins. I know. Unbelievable. I mean, like I told you in the very beginning, 80% research, 20% work in the field. Yeah. So that's how I broke it down. So I would rather take my time trying to compile as many actual facts as I can, roads, elevations, whatever, anything that I can get that's geophysical information and then take that and apply that out in the real world. Yeah. So you take one, you go to the next step and then boom, that's kind of how I got here through this whole process is I created something and now this is just how it's on all unfolding. Well, I I think it's fascinating. I really do. I love it. I love thinking about it. It brings me back to the college days of, you know, reading about all these artifacts. Yeah. And my wife and I in April had a chance to go to the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City. Oh, yeah. I remember that. You brought all those those pictures you had. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, my my father always told me it has... uh, one of the top three Egyptian collections in the world. There's yep. one in Egypt. There's one in Berlin where, where Hitler had taken all of the Egyptian artifacts that he could grab and brought them to Germany. Mm-hmm. And then there's the Met, and the Met funded a lot of excavations, and they obviously have a, a temple that they rebuilt uh, in in inside the museum yeah. and it's in front of this lake and super cool oh it's it's breathtaking and and you go in there and the amount of detail that they have from um you know armor from the the roman empire or yeah. there were these uh you know metal cheek plates from roman helmets or uh, these like dog tag type things that had like a story of the the soldier that wore them oh, that that's cool. when he was like commissioned as an officer, basically mm-hmm. he got the, these Almost like his dog tag. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's cool. And, um, then there were, you know, they had a, they had a statue with like the, the widows of a war. They all had their names inscribed on this, uh, this stone tablet that, uh, described the, you know, through the aftermath of the, yeah. the battle. Yeah. Um, but they have an Etruscan, uh, chariot actually yeah. oh i remember that pre-roman Should. empire Super cool. you know which obviously rome was a huge power but prior to rome were the etruscans and and in the new york metropolitan museum of art they have an almost complete chariot from an etruscan grave which yeah. is just fascinating it's absolutely awesome. amazing awesome so yeah and you know that brings up a good point so if you're if you're out there and you're thinking, well, you know, I, I want to experience some of this, the lost treasures of the world, uh, where to go experience them. And if you're not supporting your local museums, you should, because really there is cultural patrimony everywhere and, uh, you know, all across the United States. I remember being in Oklahoma and seeing a museum that had, uh, um, dolls that Native Americans had created, um, 
I think they're called Cochina dolls. Oh, nice. Um, mm-hmm. But there, there are lost treasures of all different types that enrich our life by knowing a history in a, in a physical, tangible way. Right, right. And I think each area to each state has its own past that you can discover. You know, we're sitting here in Cincinnati, Ohio, and there's a ton of stuff that is going on. I don't think we could have enough podcasts. We could just talk, keep talking about Cincinnati, right? Yeah. But everywhere, like where I grew up in Iowa, you know, that's all over. You have to dig in, though, to where you live. Yeah. As soon as you start to do that, you start to see these things that are uncovered. I think it's pretty cool. I think it's fascinating that people don't remember beyond a certain point. Like yeah. Greg was saying, uh, in Cincinnati, mm-hmm. people don't know what it was like prior to 1920. Right. They imagine that Cincinnati is this conservative city with, uh, yeah. you know, I know. you know, the Reds or whatever. But <laughs> prior to the, the 1920s, it was a river town that had, you know, all sorts of stuff going yeah. on. Crazy just, stuff. Just like where I grew up in Muscatine, right on the Mississippi River, like river towns. Yeah. Yep. Unbelievable. I'm, for some reason, I'm attracted to them, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Except for Columbus now, it's not so much a river town, but yeah, that's where I grew up on. Well, I like the I like the water uh, just in general. I think it kind of gives you a sense of, of peace. Um, but I also think from a metal detecting perspective, you know, lots of things get lost along the river. Opportunity right yeah. there. Uh-huh. Like we're talking swimming holes, go along beaches, like... I think a beach is way easier to go through than, you know, as far as like going through sand is much easier than messing with soil. Yeah. You never know what you're going to get with soil, but you know what you're dealing with sand most of the time. So. Right. Just know your laws too, John. Know your laws. Yeah, that's true. That's very, very true. Of course, we're sitting in a law office. So. (laughs) (laughs) Well, listen, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to pause for just one moment for station identification and from some of our sponsors. But we appreciate each and every one of you. And if you want to sponsor this podcast, well, then please feel free to reach out to us. You can check us out on the web. You can find us on social media. We would love it if you liked and subscribed to all of our pages. We want to keep doing this because we just enjoy hanging out and talking about this stuff. Mm -hmm. And we want to bring you along the journey, both Adam's treasures and and discoveries that he's finding. But we want to bring on archaeologists and all sorts of folks who are out there in the field finding things. And we'd love to bring that information to you. We think it's fascinating, and we hope you do too. So tune in. It's the Lost Treasures Podcast, and we will be right back. Well, all right, ladies and gentlemen, we're back. It's the Lost Treasures Podcast. I'm John Scheel. I'm Adam Means. And we are talking about all things lost and found. We want to know things that you have lost and stories of you finding them again. Uh, that's always a great redemption story. I've, I've heard tons of stories about lost rings, you know, oh, grandmother's yeah. engagement ring that was lost for many years in the garden and then found, you know, 20 years later. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've got some of that, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, Adam, do we have an email address that we can email? Uh, yeah, Um most of the stuff that I have on social media is just my lost treasures AM at Gmail. And so people can reach out there or you can reach out on Facebook, Instagram, um, either of those work too. So we're going to have an upcoming episode with the, uh, 
the Lost Beal Gold of Virginia. So I'm going to, I've kind of dug into it a little bit already. So I've only probably put about an hour or two. So I, I'm going to try to get that up to like 15 or 20. And then really I just try to pull all the stories, look at the areas, you know, do all these things that um, you would do if you're going to research any sort of topic. So I'm going to put all that together. Uh, we had uh, one of my friends on Facebook, uh, Robert Reeves, reached out. So thanks for that, Robert. Um, but we're going to, you know, discuss that in some detail and you'll see what happens. It's a pretty cool story. It's like somewhere between like, I think 43 to $90 million in gold and diamonds and stuff. So, oh yeah. my goodness. In yeah, Virginia. Bed- yeah. Bedford, Virginia. Mm-hmm. It's oh, a story that goes back to like the 1800s. So wow. it's pretty cool. Like I've, I've jumped into it a little bit, but you know, I haven't put the near amount of time to give a lot of detail right now. So that's amazing. Yeah. It'll be cool. You know, I, I'm thinking about a story that we discussed a couple of episodes ago, and uh-huh. I've been kind of trying to follow along what happened with that Confederate gold hoard that oh, was yeah. found. Mm-hmm. And uh, I haven't heard much lately. No, honestly. they. I think truthfully, they're still sorting out, you know, mm-hmm. property and yep. payment and. He's where, trying to keep quiet about it too. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I totally get it. Yeah, you know, well, you know, there's a lot that goes into oh, this dude. work, and mm-hmm. certainly uh, protecting the the property where it was found and, and then making sure that things are preserved and yeah. making sure his, his rights are. are and, and that's preserved. a little bit of a difference between finding stuff on private property than finding stuff on public property. Hmm. So, yeah. So he's able to, you know, kind of keep his story more quiet where, I mean, I put my story out there last June. So yeah, my story started then. And didn't you meet with the news? Yeah, uh, right away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's kind of what got the city to kind of reach out. So you know, I'm not going to rehash all of it again, but at the same time is, you know, there's a difference between public and private property. And mm-hmm. so understanding that is, there is no way I'd be able to keep my name quiet from it. Well, and that's why I keep mentioning the term cultural patrimony, because yes. it really is, it's sort of the history that is, that belongs to the area, yes. right? And so the, the town, the, in, in this case, the city of Cincinnati and its citizens, uh, have a, a public interest in things that are found on city property, yep. uh, even though at one point in time it was private property. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know we've got to follow all the laws, and we want to make sure that uh, that you're following our example. That you're going through. If you are out there and you are a treasure hunter, that you're doing it the right way, so that things end up in a museum and not in a private collection where yes. it's it's off off the books. Take and, your time. Yeah. Do, do your research. You know, reach out to the right people. Um, you know, a lot of this and even that guy in Kentucky too, even though his process is probably way faster than mine, um, you know, just follow the laws. Yeah. Like there's no reason to rush if you truly found something. And I've kept that in mind because the whole time I'm not saying I'm looking for something, I already found something. So, yeah. Well, the other thing is, you know, even, even big institutions can get, can get hit with violations of the law. There's, oh, yeah. that happens a lot. And it reminds me of, the uh, director of one of the museums uh, in, I might have even been in London, mm-hmm. uh, the British Museum, mm-hmm. where during his tenure, thousands of artifacts went missing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's, these are things that belong to the people. And, and, and it brings up massive cultural issues when, when things do go missing and then where do they end up and yeah. who, who owns them. Uh, but of course I, I can't, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that there is still an ongoing dispute between Greece and 
England about the Elgin marbles that are essentially the the frieze, the architectural frieze around the top of the Parthenon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got some friends who are visiting Greece right now, and they were taking photos, and uh, I sent them photos back of the the marbles that are in the British Museum that yeah. once sat on the Parthenon. And now the only place you can see them is if you go to London. So the folks in Greece can't see the actual work that was supposed to reside there in Greece uh, because at one point in time that area on top of the Parthenon which is a a giant hill that overlooks Athens uh, was a was a military storehouse for munitions from the Turks who had occupied the area and um, between a, a battle I think it was French and British against the Turks there was a bombing and it and it destroyed quite a lot of of ancient artifacts uh because they were bombing the munitions depot which is wow. you know a really an ancient grecian temple mm-hmm. um but then the marbles were taken by lord elgin to britain and and given to the museum and now you've got two countries with this international dispute over who owns what so i i know that Many of you listeners are probably not out there finding the marbles of, of the Parthenon. But <laughs> at the same time, you know, the Antiquities Act in the United States uh, does govern things that that are of a certain age. And certainly we want to respect all the cultures of the Native Americans who were here before us. And I say us because I'm Caucasian. But, um, you know, we want to we want to really be respectful of the things that were that we're here before yeah the settlement of the United States. And yeah, we want to see that stuff in a museum so we can all learn about it. Yes. And it doesn't need to be in somebody's house. Yeah. Yeah. That's the worst place for it. When you and I went to the museum center, we were looking for an exhibit on the native American stuff and they have it mostly in storage because they're remodeling that part. I know. So we only got to see one little case with arrowheads. Some of their prehistoric stuff was really cool. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. Well, and Greg loves fossils, so there's know, certainly yeah. a ton of that. And we're going to have here. him back on again, too, so yeah. sometime soon. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're just tuning in, uh, Greg Hand, author of Cincinnati Curiosities, does a stand-up, uh, stand-up history. It's like a comedy history uh, live event. Uh, I would hope that they record all of those, but yeah. uh, they're at the Muse Cafe in Cincinnati, Ohio, and he's got some wonderful folks who talk about wonderful topics. Uh, one does the history of various alcoholic beverages in a humorous way. Greg talks, you know, he picks a different topic each time. Yeah. Uh, and he was just a fascinating guest. We'll have to uh, go out and check him out sometime. That'd yeah, be fun. Absolutely. Be so, ladies and gentlemen, here we are. It's the Lost Treasures podcast. We are talking all things lost and found, and we want to know more about what you've got. So one more plug for contacting us with your stories. We'd love to have you on the podcast because this is what we love to talk about. Adam and I love to hang out, talk about old things, and go on treasure hunts. Yep. So if you are like us, maybe we'll join each other one day on the podcast or out in person on a treasure hunt. Let us know if there's something that's lost in your family that uh, you want us to find, or if you just want to tell us the story of its loss and discovery. We'd love to hear it right here. Yep, and thanks uh, again for everybody that's uh, been listening to our episodes. So that's pretty cool. Um, it's going to be one of those things I think we just keep going with it, and you know, we'll just tell little updates about my little uh, my little story that I have going on, and I think eventually, you know, people are going to see it in the news anyhow. So. I'm sure they will. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I can't wait for interview number two. All right.
Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's it for today's episode of the Lost Treasures podcast. I'm John Scheel. I'm Adam Means. And we will see you back here next time with more Lost and Found on the Lost Treasures podcast.